Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast. My name is Millie Murillo. I am a spiritual coach and astrologer. I'm here with my co-host, Ashley Torrent, psycho-spiritual counselor, intuitive psychic, and an amazing, amazing teacher. Today, we are here to talk about heartbreak and cheating. This is such a beautiful topic, I think. It was a topic that was suggested by one of our listeners in our Instagram suggestion box. And so we wanted to touch on it. I think that so much can come from an experience like this. And it's probably also one of the harder experiences that we can have in our life. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to talking about it. Yeah, me too. I was thinking, you know, I've been in my relationship for, gosh, over 21 years now. So, you know, just personally, I was reflecting back on what did heartbreak feel like? What did being cheated on feel like? You know, what, what was that like? And I was, I was thinking back on how I handled it. And I remember in one situation, like I couldn't eat for months. I felt so sick to my stomach, you know, and I was just thinking about people that are dealing with this now. And and I wish I'd had some sort of support system or skill set or tools to be able to talk about it, to understand. But I understand now, you know, and, and being a therapist and helping people through this kind of thing. But it just, I remember being so physically right. sick and I couldn't sleep. And I just felt like my world had yeah. been turned upside down when, you know, an ex had broken up with me and I'd found out he'd been starting a relationship with someone else. I think I ate saltine crackers for like three months. That's all I could eat. Just because I felt so sick, you know, and then doing the thing where I was driving around his neighborhood, not by his house, but just hoping to catch a glimpse of him or trying to figure out what was going on. So I'm glad we're talking about this because maybe if there's someone going through this, that we can offer something that's better than saltine crackers or doing a drive-by that might be more nourishing to their spirit or their body (laughs) because it sucks. (laughs) It's horrible. It's horrible. I, you know, you're not you're not the only one who's done those drive-bys. I I myself have found myself doing a drive-by myself and it's it's just I think that when you're in that space, you know that what you're doing, the actions that you're taking aren't necessarily the best. You know where they're coming from. You know they're coming solely from the hurt and the pain. And I think that there is also a part of us that knows that it's not going to make a difference. That even if they see us outside their their home, that it's not going to change. And we know that. But the pain is so so great. It's, It's so big, right? And it's just the only way that we know how to cope in that moment. I remember... One of the most hurtful heartbreaks I've had because of, you know, some form of betrayal. Oh my God, that was months. That was months. But I didn't, I, I feel I was a little reckless. I was in a lot of pain. I remember that it was a time in which I would cry almost every single day, like on my way to work and on my way back home because I had a long commute oh. and that was my alone time. And I would just cry almost every day for I don't know how long in my commute, sitting in traffic. And I know that people saw me like 
ugly cry. And I laugh at it now. And it's not, it's not that it's funny. It's just that, oh my God, I I just want to give that girl a hug. I want to give that girl a hug. Because I think that what I felt was that I was so alone, that even the friends that I had, I couldn't really talk about it. Not not because they're bad friends, but there was a shame. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to say, this is how much I'm hurting. And I look back on it now, and I think that if I had done that, it probably would have been a little yeah, better. No, that, that makes, I mean, just being able to talk about it. I remember I was, yeah. I was in college when this happened and I would just hole up in my room and just write in my diary just for hours. Cause it was the only thing that seemed mm-hmm. to give me peace. It's just writing about him and the relationship. But again, I was kind of replaying it over and over again. So I don't know that it actually gave me peace. It actually probably made it worse in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, you know, the drive by now is social media, you know, kind of, Snooping on social media is now our new drive-by, right? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah. And um, I thought, you know, and I think we could get to ways that we could support you, but maybe talking about things that actually rewound us, re-traumatize us that aren't helpful. Mm-hmm. One of the things I know that when we've been hurt like this is we want some form of explanation or closure. You know, we want the person to explain why they did. We want evidence that mm-hmm. they're out of their mind and we're looking at the person they're with. Well, they're not like me, you know, but then if, you know, we judge them as more or less attractive or all the qualities, we break that person down. I think we reach out to hope that that person can help us make peace with what's happened. And you know, I think it's important that we understand no one can give us closure. We have to find closure with ourselves. And the person that hurt us is not in a position to give us closure. There's no explanation mm-hmm. that's going to make it feel okay. If they say, I'm not into you, not going to feel okay. If they say, I fell in love with this person, they're more attracted. I'm not, whatever the situation is, you're never going to feel at peace with it. The only way you'll come to peace is being able to do that. That's not easy, right? And so, oh. and here's why I'm saying that because I think that heartbreak and and cheating we live in a world that i don't think holds very compassionate space for someone who's going through that no, you're right. very quickly people are saying well let's go out well just get under someone else you know get on the apps and all of the things right and i just think about that pain and it's like no no <laughs> That's that's a very important experience to have. And I think that a huge lesson in that is the closure that you're talking about. Because those are some of the experiences that allow us to get in touch with those very, very deep, resilient parts of ourselves. And that is how we learn to get that closure that we are just needing in that moment. And I think that it's also important to understand that closure doesn't come quickly. And the only reason that we want it to come quickly, which is why, to your point, we go and and try to compare. It's, is she prettier? Am Am I better? Is she better? All of that. Is because we don't want to feel the immense pain that comes with an experience like this. And and why would anyone want to experience that? But life happens, right? And this is one of those things that life sometimes throws at us. And to just rush. Yeah. And of course, it's so much easier to rush now because we have our phones. There are, our phones are this like escape world that 
can make everything better in a split second, including just jumping on the apps and literally connecting with someone in less than an hour, connecting with a complete stranger. So there's so much, there's so much complexity with experiencing something like this. And then we add on the world's lack of compassion for when someone experiences something like this. You know, and I think if anyone's listening or have been listening to us for a while, they know that we really encourage like feeling the feelings and going and facing the pain. So, you know, the, the going on the apps is an ego stroke and that's temporary. You know, to me, it's like eating fast food and you're still hungry. It's not nourishing or anything. It's just mm-hmm. a quick fix. It's a dopamine high. So, you know, Millie and I are going to encourage anyone who's going through this to sit with themselves in a loving way with compassion and to take time to cry, to grieve, to be angry. I mean, there's a, there's a grieving process in this, you know, it's, you know, mourning those that are the mourning, the living, as my husband says, you know, it's like someone died, but they didn't die, but they're still alive and they're still out there and they're doing whatever they're doing, but there's going to be a mourning process mm. and that's going to have different stages of, you know, disconnection, intense grief, anger, And the closure comes at the end of that process. And while we're in it, you know, when people are really suffering emotionally, one of the things I encourage my clients to do, whether they're experiencing depression or heartbreak, whatever it is, is I want them to treat it like it's an illness, you know? So if you had the flu, how would you care for yourself? You know, would you need to take a day off Mm -hmm. work? And I understand heartbreak lasts many months sometimes, and it's not just a day. But there are days when sometimes we just need like an emotional wellness day where we need a break from everything. I always love soft blankets, soft clothes, you know, wrapping yourself in soft things, being soft with yourself, doing comforting things, not having any expectations of yourself to perform or achieve or to be anything other than where you are. And I find that when people treat themselves like that, they move through it a lot quicker. They move through depression. And I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm talking about times in your life when you're experiencing depression and coming out of it or coming through these difficult emotional days. When you treat it like it's an illness with that kindness and that love, it it lightens something. It changes the dynamic within you. Yeah. There's something about tending to yourself in in nurturing yourself in every possible way that the other parts that exist in us right the the inner children the the younger versions as the adult having that experience having the willingness to say i really need to take some time and i really need to take care of myself right now not only are we healing whatever we may be experiencing at that moment, in this case, we're talking about heartbreak, but there is also something that happens, I think, to those to those younger parts that in some way may have experienced some kind of betrayal in the past. So I'm, I'm bringing this up because if these experiences are felt to the degree that they are felt in, they bring great lessons. There's a lot of wisdom to be gained there because such is life. And usually the most painful moments in our lives are ones that we come out wiser from. And so, you know, what I'm saying now may not, when we're in it, it it may not make much of a difference. But if we can remember to nurture ourselves in that way for the bigger picture, for, for the bigger lesson in it, then we understand, We under, I think we can understand it from a different space. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Although, like you said, when we're in it, we may not understand the lessons. But when we 
say have the courage or take the time and the resilience to face our pain and to be present for it and to care for ourselves, the next time something like this happens, we build in a bodily memory of that care and a bodily memory of I faced my pain and I got through it. Right. And then the next time, because life is going to be full of these different heartbreaks and lessons of different Mm -hmm. kinds, different details. But the first time we do it, it can feel almost impossible. And then even along the road, sometimes it can feel impossible. But the more you do tend to your pain and tend to yourself in that way, I don't know that necessarily the words like it becomes easier, but it becomes more second nature and your body moves through it quicker because the more we avoid it, the bigger it gets. The more we resist it, the bigger it gets. So you're actually doing something that in the long run becomes like a skill set or a tool for you. It's like, oh, I'm having one of those days. And I know what to do with this. And I think when this initially happens, we're in the midst of it. We don't have that built in. We can feel so lost Mm -hmm. and it can feel like nothing will help us. But this is a, a place to start. I've, I've met, you know, people in my life who have also experienced this and, (laughs) I really admire some of the ways that they held themselves through, through heartbreak, particularly from cheating. Because like I, like I mentioned earlier, my ways weren't the healthiest, particularly at that time in my life. I drank a lot. I was partying a lot. I was, I was dating other, other men, but not, I wasn't really dating them. I was seeing them and I wasn't really holding space for them. I was just trying to, to numb some pain. And so I, I remember talking to a friend and he went through a really difficult heartbreak. And he said that the way that he got through it was he actually built a company. <laughs> so he took that pain and he felt it, he processed it, but he said that he noticed that it had been, you know, two, three months already, and he was just kind of in this lull. And he noticed his life had just kind of come to a halt and a full stop. And he realized, I can't just stop. My life can just stop. And so he took that pain and he built a company that was actually pretty successful. Wow. And when he ended up selling it, um, it was very lucrative for him. So I think that I I found that story, his experience just so powerful because pain is energy. It's a very powerful energy. And I don't think that it has to be something where, you know, we have to run away from it immediately or try to do something about it immediately. I think we need to let ourselves feel it. But at some point we have to say, okay, my life needs to go on and, and the pain may still be there, yeah, but it I can be such an inspiration for and we can't transform things. Like he created a company for creating so many different things. It can be something that, you know, when we do need to take breaks from, you know, like, so we right. want to be with our feelings, but we can't sit in it all day. So we do need to take breaks. And I would recommend rather than going on like social media or checking out our, you know, maybe self-destructive behaviors, you know, finding a project, you know, that, helps you stay focused, but makes you feel good about yourself, that builds confidence, that makes you feel empowered. You know, maybe it's a new hobby or creative project. Uh, Maybe it's some form of work that inspires you. And I think there is that period where you reach a point and it's like, okay, right. I've, you know, wallowed. I think we need to wallow in it a bit, you know? And um, I think sometimes we also need to be the victim of something we need because Mm -hmm. being the victim of something allows us to um, validate our feelings and honor our feelings and the experience. And then at point we need to transform that into, okay, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this energy, this, these feelings? Um, and yes. So 
one of the things I think is interesting about men and women, and, and you know, I, I just, when I was researching about this, one of the things I found was that women are more likely to forgive cheating than men. And I was like, that seems obvious to me, but it's, it, I was reading like men mm-hmm. are just less tolerant of it. And I thought that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's part mm-hmm. of, and I'm being speaking very carefully because mm-hmm. I don't want to prate with, um, paint with broad gender strokes. But women have a tendency to care emotionally for people and to be very empathic and empathetic. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we can excuse Mm -hmm. people's behavior because we understand why they did something. And we can go, well, they're wounded and their father or their mother didn't treat them right or their ex cheated on them. And we can come up with all the rational reasons why this person acted this way. Um, And I don't think men go through that as much. (laughs) I mean, some may. Oh, yes. That's such a big one. That's such a big one. And I think that especially when you're in the pain, right? So let's say that you experience something where your partner did cheat on you and they're actually asking for forgiveness and for a second chance, right? I think that what you just said is also a way that we don't it's it, what you just said is also a way in which we protect ourselves yeah, we'll from feeling on all their of the pain that comes from that betrayal. Yes, you're on it. Uh huh. Yeah, and and I say that from experience. I say that from experience. I I get that because feeling like I can move towards something that we can fix when essentially I'm saying I can move towards something I can fix. Um, keeps me from processing all of that pain, but even just experiencing the pain. And in the past, I, I, I realized that I didn't want to be the girl that got cheated on, right? And so we have to be so mindful because I think I think we're really good at convincing ourselves that we're doing something for particular reasons when really underneath it all, those aren't really the yeah. reasons of why yeah, we're like doing what you're focusing what you on doing. can be a distraction. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, I think this is when we can get codependent. I think then this is when we can tolerate behaviors that we shouldn't be tolerating. We can spend way too much time in a relationship that's not healthy for us or a situation or even maybe mourning a situation because we're so fixated on well, if that person hadn't been so wounded, then they'd be with, you know, us. And, you know, what you said about not wanting to be the girl that got cheated on, I think this is another thing where we put that responsibility on ourselves. Now, have have I heard about or, you know, in the situation as being a therapist, have there been situations where someone's been someone's cheated because there was, you know, their partner was emotionally and physically absent and they were starved for a connection? Now that's not the right reason, but it's not always just someone doing it just, you know, just a mm-hmm. spontaneous act. Sometimes there are other things going on. But I think there's a stigma around being the person that's mm-hmm. cheated on as if it's our fault, mm-hmm. as if there's something deficient about us, as if there were, de- we're defected. And so that person found mm-hmm. something better. And let me tell you, that's not why people cheat. I mean, you see it in like, I don't know what celebrities, I don't care, but you know, you see it. In right. like, you know, they have the most beautiful partner. And, or, you know, and so it's not about <laughs> looks, you know, it's that's not necessarily about personality. Right. It's not necessarily about emotional connection. Sometimes yeah. that person just needs an ego stroke. Sometimes they have an addiction to dopamine that they get from like the new of a relationship yeah. or having sex with new people. Um, sometimes they find an emotional connection with someone else. But 
if mm-hmm. we could kind of maybe come back to ourselves and understand that like it doesn't mean that we're deficient or there's something wrong with us if we were cheated on. You know, there's so much more going on in that situation that most of the time has nothing to do right. with us. It's usually 90% of the time what's going on in that person, in their head, in their mind, yeah. in their emotional world. I thank you for bringing that up. It's it's such a good point because not only have I been cheated on, but I have also cheated on someone. I was very young. I was 18, 19. And he was wonderful. He was amazing. He was really just an amazing soul. But at that time, I feel that I was still in the, in the midst of my traumatic experiences, right? right? I'm not excusing myself, but what I am saying is that especially, I think, especially if you experience trauma and you've never been shown what a healthy relationship looks like, if all you've ever known is chaos in relationship. And at that point in my life, that is really all I'd ever seen. Looking back on it, I think there was a part of me that thought this isn't real. And so I, I was very young. I didn't have the tools to create a sustainable long-term connection with anyone. So it was very, so it was very easy for me to cheat. But I remember that that didn't, obviously that didn't feel right. At least to me, it it, it didn't feel right. And it took me a while. It took me, I think, well into my twenties to kind of shake that off and forgive myself and say, oh, that was, that was not the best decision. That was very hurtful to someone else. And I will never do that again, because that's, it's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling. And what's interesting is that my boyfriend at the time, he wanted to try things again. And I said, No, that wasn't right. Something's off here. I don't know what is, but something's off here. And so I'm bringing that up because I think that it's also important to acknowledge that you have to know yourself and you have to know that whether you're on the receiving end or you're the one doing this, sometimes there can be a second chance. I think it's really difficult. And sometimes you really have to accept maybe there can be a second chance, just not right now. There's something there. There's something there that needs to be uncovered, whether it's as a couple or just one person, whatever it is, you have to be honest enough to say, I I need to figure this out. I need some time to really figure out what's going on inside of me and how I really feel about this. Again, whether you're the one doing it or you're the one receiving it, because it is, there is something that has nothing to do with the other person. Yeah. That's causing it. I mean, what you said about, you know, having grown up in trauma, I mean, people who grow up in chaos, have a hard time with peace. Sometimes they say they want peace, but they don't know what peace feels like in their body. And sometimes peace is terrifying because as a kid, peace meant something bad was going to happen soon. So if a relationship is stable, often you'll see somebody kind of get antsy Mm -hmm. and they'll want to do something to disrupt it, maybe even sabotage it because they don't, Mm -hmm. they don't trust that peace. So, you know, and that's for that person Mm -hmm. to heal and work out. Yeah. The other thing, like what you were saying is, I have seen people go back to the relationship and try again quickly. And then they find that I don't want to have sex with my partner after they've cheated. You know, how do I trust again? They're, they're snooping on their phone, Mm -hmm. you know, asking questions. They're wondering if they're lying. And this is the thing is you may forgive somebody or think you've forgiven them, but your body hasn't forgotten. Like you haven't forgotten that they've betrayed you. And so to say, I want to give it another chance. And then the, you're putting you both in a situation where you can't really be a version of yourself that you want to be to rebuild and repair something. 
And so taking space or taking time or being honest, like, yeah, I want to give it a second chance, but it's going to be a while before I can be intimate with you. Or, you know, I'm having a hard time trusting you. So there's going to be times where I might say, Mm -hmm. I, I need answers to my questions. And, you know, not from a, where were you kind of place, but Hey, I'm not feeling like I'm trusting you today. Is there any way you could talk to me about what your day was like? Can we have a conversation about this? And the partner also who wants to be forgiven and who is hopefully trying new behaviors or trying to figure out what caused them to cheat in the first place, y'all can have a mindful conversation about, I guess, what the rules and boundaries are going forward. Because you can't just pretend it's all nice. Because forgetting something like that, I think that's very hard. Right. So hard. So hard. Right. So how how can we? right? Overcome the fear of betrayal, whether it's that we stay in a relationship and try again, or that, you know, that particular relationship, just we don't continue with it. And then we get out there and, and see if we can connect with someone again. That's, that's scary. That's scary. And I think that that's why time is so necessary, but not just time. I think that it has to be intentional. Your time of healing after cheating, betrayal, breakup has to be intentional. It has to be looked at as a significant experience in your life that is affecting you mentally, physically, and spiritually. And it has to be treated as such. If it's not seen that way, Mm -hmm. then that's when we repeat the patterns. I don't think that that heartbreak, betrayal, and cheating, again, I don't think that they're held in that way. No, no. I I don't don't, understand why, you know, like I always think we need classes on emotional intelligence and like, you know, I'm seeing like what my kids go through and I'm like, there was no one talking to me about this when I was a kid. This is so painful and this is hard. And just the exchanges between friends and people you like. And I'm like, wow, it starts so Mm -hmm. early, but we don't hold emotions. We don't, you know, we we have so much depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. in our country, but yet we don't live in a country that really teaches us to care for ourselves. And it's just not valuable. It's just move on, get over it, numb it out, take something. And it's a bit terrifying. So I think you're right. We do need to treat ourselves very carefully. And the thing is, is this being cheated on betrayal, heartbreak, it's traumatic. You know, it is traumatic. It's when you trust someone, whether there were signs mm-hmm. or no signs, when you trust mm-hmm. someone and you open up and you make yourself vulnerable mm-hmm. to someone, your body, your heart, and they betray that, it's so painful. So it's important to remember that it is traumatic and any traumatic event needs time. And, you know, how do you move forward after the appropriate time that you yourself died as a, decide is, is appropriate? Exactly. Is at some point you're going to have to get back on the bike after you've fallen off. You're going to have to try. You know, you're going to have to put yourself out there and be mindful of those stories you mm-hmm. tell that you're looking for the person, like maybe you're connecting with, Maybe you're projecting onto them that they're cheating on me or they're a liar. Or, you know, if you're going to get back into a relationship with someone new or you're going to get into a relationship with someone new, it's important to know that you can't, you can know that your trauma is coming with you, but you can't put all your trauma on that person. You know, you can, you can talk about it when it's appropriate, but trust needs to be built between two people. So if you're wondering if this person is going to cheat on you in six months and you've only been with them for a month or two, you're not going to know this because there's not enough information there, you know, unless there's some obvious red flags that you're Mm -hmm. ignoring. Right. Right. I think that a lot of what trips us up 
in this life is the constant rush of things, the constant rush of things. And we rush, I think one, we're conditioned to rush in every part of our lives. And so we think that emotions and relationships are built in the same way. When we snap out of that and we realize that how important our relationships really are, how important our human connections are, how important we are, therefore, if we realize how important we are, then we value ourselves differently. We really take our time to say, wait a minute, I'm pretty great. I take care of myself. I've built a life for myself. I can be choosy with who comes into this that I've built with love. Because another thing that I think happens is that we want to be chosen so badly. We want to be chosen by someone so badly that we don't stop to think, how am I choosing this person? And so then that's when we find these these cycles, these repetitive lessons. And here's why I'm bringing this up. Because I... I have spoken to clients where, you know, and I've also been in that position myself where it's like, I keep attracting this kind of person. I keep attracting this person who, you know, is not always completely honest. And so I think that a way that we can, I don't know, perhaps prevent that is to just take our time and to appreciate ourselves and our lives and what we've created to really think about that, to really hold it with a lot of respect, a lot of gratitude, with reverence. I think we we can hold ourselves with reverence. We can hold the things that we've built with reverence because, you know, <laughs> this life isn't always very easy. So anything that is built, especially with love, I think deserves a lot of respect. And if that's the case, then anyone who comes into our life really needs to understand that. It's not that they need to, you know, put us up on a pedestal, but there is a certain amount of respect that someone needs to show for who we are as individuals. I I love that you said that because I think too often we give our love away and we give it away cheaply. And I think we assume too much about people Mm -hmm. that they will hold us with respect or compassion, Mm -hmm. that they will hold us with reverence. And Like I said, all of that is earned. You Mm -hmm. get to know that over time. And that's part of the risk of dating and and getting into a relationship. You know, and I think you you can know pretty quickly, you know, the timing, you know, you usually can tell at three months. There's something about the three-month marker that people either have a moment where they go deeper with each other or they realize they can't. Mm. But, you know, we have to ante up for that. That's part of building a relationship or building friendships. Mm -hmm. And if you notice you're meeting the same types of people and you're falling for them, then I would look at what are you recapitulating from your past or from your childhood? We often choose the love we know rather than the love we want. So what Mm -hmm. betrayal happened to you as a kid? What was the relationship between your parents like? Mm -hmm. You know, was one of them present, one of them absent? And what are some of the qualities you notice you're attracted to that might resemble one of your parents and actually the parent that maybe you had the most difficult relationship with? And we do this because we're hoping this time will be different. This time I'll be picked. I'll be chosen. This time the person Mm -hmm. will stay. This time I'll be loved. And, you know, we're just healing that little person inside of us. So Look at the people you're picking. Pay attention to how your body feels in different partners' presence. When you're on a date, if you feel anxiety, so many people think they have anxiety from dating. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is something about dating new people 
But I often see that they're choosing people that make their bodies feel anxious. You know, people that aren't present, people that are disconnected, people that aren't honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And remember, people do what they want to do and they don't do what they don't want to do. So stop making excuses for people who have busy jobs. He works in finance. I can't tell you how many times I hear he works in finance and he's up at four in the morning and he works till nine o'clock at night and I never hear from him. That's not because he's too busy (laughs) because I guarantee you he's popping on social media or connecting with other people. Right. If he wants to talk to you or she wants to talk to you, Mm -hmm. she will talk to you. They will reach out and make time for you. You know, so I'm just like trying to pass on all the things. (laughs) Yeah. And to your point, please remember that if they're not reaching out, it's not you. It's not you. you. And here's what I mean by that. People are allowed to not be attracted to you. Yes. (laughs) Okay. People are allowed to not be attracted to you. And that doesn't say anything less about you. It just means that you're not for them and clearly they're not for you and they're actually doing you a favor, right? Because maybe you're keeping, you know, more of an open mind, but they're not perfect. Thank you for that. Please remember that, please. Because again, you have to, you have to realize for yourself how, how precious and how amazing you are. And again, not from a space of I'm, I'm going to walk around the world being like this arrogant asshole, but really take care of your heart. If you know you're a kind, sensible, sensitive person, that's one of the things that I had to realize. I remember that I was walking home one day and I said, I'm really sensitive mm-hmm. and I'm actually a really good person. I can't, something has to change because I kept attracting the same kind of person over and over and over again. And they were not the best and they were awful and they would hurt my feelings. And I said, no, that's not right. You don't treat people like that. And so that was enough for me to say, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to see where this takes me. You have to find that love within yourself for yourself. And you have to remember that when someone doesn't choose you, they're doing you a favor. That doesn't even say anything awful about them. It just means that the connection is not there all too often. I think we're trying to look for a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah. And there's no good guy and bad guy sometimes. It's just different. You're just different. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, and the reason I'm bringing that up is that when we force a connection, that isn't there, isn't genuinely there. Most of the time it will lead to ch- to cheating and lying and heartbreak. Yes. Because you're forcing something. Yeah. You don't you don't want to be with someone you have to force to be with you. Why? No. There's 8 billion people in this world. 8 billion people. And that's so I think that coming back to the self and recognizing this is who I am. Whatever that is for you right? And really honoring that, I think that's going to help you navigate who to connect with. How does your body feel? Like, to your point, how does your body feel when you're with someone? How do you hold in your body someone's consistency or someone's inconsistency? It, it really comes back to the self. And so when it does get time for you to get back to dating after a significant heartbreak or cheating, you get to trust yourself. You you have to trust yourself. But in order to do that, you have to be willing to hold yourself with reverence and respect. You have to know what that means, what that feels like, who you are. And I think that that is just 
that's the baseline for connecting. Well, it's so with attractive, anyone. you know, and you can't fake it. People feel whether you authentically feel that about yourself and, and understand you don't have mm-hmm. to perfectly feel mm-hmm. that way to, in order to find a relationship, but trying and trying to start from a place of that you're valuable is so important. Right. And people respect when they feel that in you, when you require people to show up in a way, they respect that. Mm-hmm. There's something very repellent energetically about needy, compliant people. You know, we all have moments where we are this way, you know, in different stages mm-hmm. of our lives. If we're willing to forgo or like let go of what certain people do to us because we need something so bad, people feel that. If we're willing to forgive so quickly, well, they didn't contact me for days or they didn't show up or they did this to hurt me or they did that and we're forgiving it really quickly, that's sending a message that I don't have to show up for this person. They're not requiring anything for me. So if there's really, there's something about, we don't bring the best version of ourselves to something like that. When there's not high expectations, we're kind of like, eh. I think as humans, we really like it when someone respects themselves mm-hmm. and they have expectations of us and we're meeting in this mature place. I mean, even the energy of the universe works this way. Need does not work well in the universal energy because need says it's a level of scarcity and a lack of abundance. It's sending a message that is the opposite of attraction. It is repellent energy. Now we all mm-hmm. feel this way sometime and we can't fake it, like I said. But when we move with the energy of the universe and we move with the people that I am valuable, I am deserving, I want this, but I don't have to have it. It's not going to ruin me if I don't have that. If we're not coming from a place of need, then we're coming from a place where we actually can attract what we want. And we're sending something out there that is making space for good things to come into us, not low hanging Mm -hmm. fruit. We don't want low hanging fruit. Yes. I can't add anything more to that. We don't no. want low no, hanging fruit. My husband fruit. has said to me, you know, as a man, he's just said, men like it when women require things of them. When yeah. they require them to be a certain type of person, they don't want low hanging fruit. So I'm just speaking of in a heterosexual relationship, but I've seen that. I've seen that over and over again in my practice. I've seen it within myself. Right. So yes, took me a while to get there, but I did get to the point. (laughs) No, no, I love that. I love that. That's, it's powerful. We can't forget that we will be met to the level at where we're at, right? I remember one time, one guy said to me, you're just a yes man that I was dating. (laughs) He he said that to me. And I was like, fuck you. I'm not just a fucking yes man. But when I thought about it, I was like, he's fucking right. He's right. Right. Fuck this guy. Right. And I was, my ego was so bruised, but he was right. But he was right. Needless to say that didn't work out, but he gave me a really big lesson in that I needed to check myself. I needed to see why it was that I wanted to be chosen by this guy instead of, instead of asking myself, what am I asking of him? Am I asking anything of him? And that changed, that changed a lot of things. So what you were saying is I think that a lot of times too, we forget how powerful our feminine energy is. And and so, again, speaking strictly from a heterosexual perspective, I think that there is that need that men have to have a woman who feels like they can count on the same way that I think a woman needs to feel that she can count on, on a man. But that requires a certain level of emotional intelligence, emotional maturity, openness and all of that just takes time to really get to know in someone, especially if they have healthy boundaries, I think. I think if someone has healthy boundaries, they understand that there's no need to rush into anything. 
because you you take the time to get to know that person, but you feel safe in in being willing to take the time. And and that 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 time you take creates a safety about your relationship. And we can't be afraid of requiring things from people or asking people of things of people that are necessary for us to be in a relationship because we're afraid they're going to leave or abandon the relationship. Because if they do, that's not our person. And so often I see people going, well, I'm afraid if I ask that or ask for time or consistent contact or just basic relationship needs, basic tenets of a relationship. They're just like, uh, they're going to lose interest. I'm like, then if you have to deny yourself, you know, what you need or deny yourself from asking for what you need, then that tells you something about that person. You don't feel safe with them. You don't trust that they are, have as much invested as you do, or they have the best Oh my God, <laughs> they have the relationship. <laughs> it's a priority. <laughs> I am losing <laughs> words. <laughs> so sorry. Close this out, Millie. <laughs> so thank you to whom suggested this topic. I think it's, like I said in the beginning, it's an important topic. It's real. It's a real experience that comes with a lot that affects us in multiple ways and it should be held and treated that way. And so hopefully this conversation and our sharing our experiences is of, of some service to you. So thank you so much for, for bringing this topic to us. Yeah, we would love to see you in Costa Rica. We're doing a retreat, Reclaiming Audacity, and you can find it on our website or on Instagram. We have information on our Instagrams. And we would love to see you. It's in June in Nosara, Costa Rica. Are you, um, do you yeah. have anything upcoming? And I just wanted to add to that. There are payment plans available, by the way, for the Costa Rica retreat. So please reach out if that's something that you feel you need. You know, I've found that so helpful, yeah. at least for, for me and things that I've really wanted to do in the past. Yes. Yeah, so I have groups starting later this, later in March. So one is a nine week group intensive. It's called Embodied Breakthrough. I work with the chakra system in in conjunction to astrology, and we're going to move into the body. This is heavy body work. We're going to focus in on each of the energetic points in the body, learn its language, learn what it has to say to you, learn the stuck energy that's there, learn how it unfolds in your astrological chart, therefore in your life. So it's nine weeks. I kept it short. I kept it short on purpose, but it's powerful. I'm really looking forward to that. And then I have my private group, my private telegram group, I'm, I'm holding an eight-week special uh, so that you can join my group during eclipse season. Eclipse seasons are a big deal. They are times of great changes, great shifts. And I have found that the best way to navigate eclipse seasons is in group and most importantly, understanding what the astrology has to tell us. So that's what I have going on. And that starts April 3rd. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you for this conversation. Thank you. Much love to you all. We'll, we'll talk to you next time. Yes, definitely. Bye.